We are not asking our employees to go form a union. And yet at the same time, we recognize there may be a real scenario where people are wanting to form a union and we've got principles in place. We can be thoughtful, we can be constructive, and we think that will serve everybody best. Microsoft says, hey, look, we do a lot of surveys. We're very tuned to the workforce. We understand that. And I think that's very true. But that doesn't mean workers actually have the power. I mean, it's one thing to sit down and have a, a nice conversation with your boss. It's another thing to actually get your boss to do what you want. Right. Conceding that the rise of labor unions in tech may ultimately reach its own business Microsoft released a new set of principles Thursday, acknowledging the rights of its employees to organize, pledging to work constructively with any who do, and also making it clear that it hopes they ultimately won't feel the need. Now, there's lots of important context to note around this unusual pledge. Most significantly, it follows a union vote last week by the quality assurance team inside Activision Blizzard subsidiary Raven Software. That's the maker of the blockbuster video game franchise, Call of Duty. Microsoft needs regulatory approval for its $68.7 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard. And union issues are a hallmark of the Biden administration. Microsoft's approach contrasts with its fellow Seattle area corporate giants, Amazon and Starbucks, which have both opposed the formation of labor unions by their workers. I'm GeekWire co-founder, Todd Bishop. Later on, we will get reaction from a former union leader who attempted to organize Microsoft's temporary workers starting in the late 1990s. But first, I spoke about the news with Microsoft President Brad Smith. Brad, I read the memo, the blog post that you put out about Microsoft's approach to unions, and I have to say it was a surprise. Can you recap what Microsoft is is doing with this announcement? Yeah, we are trying to be proactive, and I think in some ways, the best way to avoid drama is to try to be thoughtful before drama is at your feet. In this case, look, we recognize that we live in a country and in a time when there are more questions about whether employees should form unions in parts of the economy that haven't had unions to date. It's something that we see not only for Microsoft, but we sometimes have vendors uh, that have unions. We were quick to provide you know, financial support for union employees who work for vendors during the pandemic. We can see it arise in the context of acquisitions and companies that we acquire as well. So we recognize that this is an issue that has been expanding and inevitably it is one that we need to address. So what we did today was articulate four principles that will govern how we work when situations arise people want to form a union. The first thing is we say, look, we will always listen to our employees. In fact, we're emphatic in saying we want our employees to know that they can always have a hearing and get a thoughtful conversation with the company's senior leaders. They don't need to form a union to do that. Second, we respect the fact that employees have a legal right to form a union. We don't think that our company is well served. We don't think our shareholders or our customers or our employees are well served by us going into battle if we encounter such a situation. Third, and this is really the most concrete, we're open to collaborative approaches, including with existing organized labor unions, if we have employees that want to work with the union in these scenarios. 
you know, we think that there's a, a path that can be charted that avoids controversy, that avoids having to go to the National Labor Relations Board, that gives employees information and lets them exercise their rights, the rights they have, in a more amicable way. And then finally, we are committed to working with all of our employees, whether they're in a union or not in a union, whether they're in this country or in other countries. We have other countries where our employees are represented by works councils or even in one or two places, unions. So it's a diverse world. At the end of the day, we're committed to one thing above all else. That is having a great relationship with our employees. That is what is going to make Microsoft successful. A small group of employees at an Activision Blizzard subsidiary recently voted to unionize. To what extent do these steps that you're outlining today come out of that decision by those employees? Well, the steps that we're taking today, the principles we're announcing today, are really informed by lots of different things. But yeah, that's obviously part of the constellation of developments that we've been paying attention to, um, as well as lots of other things. And the principles that we're announcing today um, will certainly apply in the future uh, if Activision Blizzard becomes part of Microsoft. Another company in the Seattle region has taken a very different approach to unions. To what extent are you seeking to set an example or make a point to Amazon? We're not trying to make a point to any company other than Microsoft. One of the things that I thought was really important to say in this blog, and I wrote the words myself, was number one, look, we're on a journey and we're learning. This is not an area where we have decades of broad experience the way some other industries or companies do. And number two, we're trying to fashion the right course for Microsoft. Every company is unique. Every industry is unique. We're not trying to say anything about what is good or bad for any other company. Looking back at Microsoft's history, I was able to cover the tail end of the the permatemps controversy and the WashTech efforts to organize Microsoft's temporary workers. Were there lessons that you learned from there? And how has Microsoft's outlook on this issue changed since then? Um, I think we definitely learn lessons over time and we learn lessons from you know each experience you have in life. I, I That's the goal, I think, for all of us in life. I think what is perhaps more interesting and relevant for Microsoft is sort of the arc uh, over the last seven years or so. Now, you know, we started in 2015 by extending paid leave to all of the employees of our vendors who do significant work for Microsoft. You know, the, in, the vendor employers manage that, but we mandated that in our contracts with them, and we said that we would pay for that, and we have and we did. Um, we built on that with expanded benefits for uh, parental leave, including the employees of vendors, same sort of step. When we got to the pandemic and in February of uh, 2020, um, we were very fast, I think within 48 hours. Um, you know, we said that we would pay our vendors so that our vendors could pay the people whose jobs were no longer going to be needed on our campuses. So that was more than 3,000 people. Many of them worked for unions. They worked for the SEIU, the Teamsters, the CWAA, and we spent more than $150 million uh, to provide that kind of financial support because we recognize that they're part of a community that we depend on for our success. 
So I think one way to think about this step is it's a continuing step on that same path. It's really important for us to continue to adapt. It's of just fundamental importance that we have great relationships with all of the people who work for Microsoft. And you know, if managing labor organization efforts is part of what we need to manage, we should be thoughtful, we should be proactive, and we should manage it well. Coming up, the demographic and generational trends reshaping the workforce and reigniting the union movement. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Why are labor unions seeing such a surge now, if you could put that in some historical perspective? Well, I would just offer two thoughts myself. One is, I think we live in an era when uh, newer employees, younger employees, have heightened and broadened expectations about the relationship they want with their employer. And I think that it's important for us to respond, to, to meet those expectations, and that requires that we meet them in a variety of ways. And interestingly, you know, part of this new era is taking us back to some of the tools that have been important for the representation of employees in advance of labor over the last century and a half, namely the creation of labor unions. I think it's right to recognize that they've played an important role in the American economy and even in American democracy. They've been important advancing in advancing fundamental rights for people. But then there's a second factor that I think is historically unique. We have suddenly entered a new point really in demographic history. The population is not growing the way it did before. And most importantly and relevant to this, the population of working age people, typically defined as age 20 to 64, is not growing the way it did before. So the truth is, if you want to be successful as a company, you have to do an even better job than before of making your company an attractive place to work. You can't count on that population group constantly growing. You've got to think about how to have a great relationship with your employees. You've got to think about how to combine what your employees can contribute in terms of labor with the power of technology to make people more productive and even happy at work. Um, so, you know, it is a new era. And I think that is perhaps what is most significant about this. It's a different time than we've lived through in the past. To what extent could we see the rise of labor unions within engineering, software development, some of the higher end roles? Well, I, I think that one thing to think about is that labor unions exist fundamentally to address compensation and benefits and working conditions. That's why labor unions were created and under the law, that is what they're empowered to address. So I think almost by definition where you're most likely to see them in the economy 
is where you have groups of employees that have concerns about compensation or working conditions or benefits. Um, so, you know, in software, quality assurance uh, for gaming, you know, is a place um, where these issues have tended to arise. To, to some extent, there have been some more issues in gaming than the non-gaming sides of tech. I think we might see them arise in other similar specific areas. I, I think when you look at tech companies that have retail stores, you, know, you see a continuation of that same pattern, a specific group of, of uh, employees. I don't know that we'll see them more generally uh, you know, ranging out to, say, software engineering across the board. I don't think one should ever say never about anything. But I think we'll probably see this as uh, an ongoing phenomenon, say, over the next decade, that is more specific to the concerns or needs or interests of specific groups of employees, especially around compensation and working conditions. And what I'm hearing you say is you hope that Microsoft employees won't feel the need to try to organize, but if they do, you're open and ready to engage. I think that's right. We are not asking our employees to go form a union. In fact, we're saying the opposite. We want our employees to know that we want to always listen to what they have to say. What we just made a very substantial investment in the compensation of our employees. We did that a few weeks ago. And yet at the same time, we recognize perhaps in more specific areas, whether it's for vendors or you know, where these principles would really kick in for Microsoft employees or for employees of a company we acquire, you know, there may be a, a real scenario where people are wanting to form a union and we've got principles in place. We can be thoughtful, we can be constructive, and we think that will serve everybody best. Brett, thank you. Thank you, Todd, as always. Next up, reaction from someone who tried to organize a union at Microsoft in the past. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Someone with a unique perspective on Microsoft's announcement and its history is Marcus Courtney. Today, he's a public affairs consultant who specializes in labor issues. But back in the late 1990s, he was a software tester for Microsoft, and he led an ultimately unsuccessful effort to organize the company's temporary workforce. He was the co-founder of the Washington Alliance of Technology Workers, or WashTech, affiliated with the Communications Workers of America. I started by asking him if he would have believed it back then if someone had told him that Microsoft would eventually make the announcement that it just did. No. <laughs> no, I think I, I wouldn't have believed them. I think it would have been a welcome thing to have happened back in 1998 and 2000 because I think workers' rights are extremely important in the tech sector in the tech industry, especially as it's growing in wealth, power, and the number of employees. But I think Microsoft 
taking this kind of approach to their workers and to, to unions, it didn't probably enter their mind at that time. Transporting yourself back to 1998, I think it just goes to show that the concerns that were raised by workers back in the late 90s and 2000s were very legitimate. And I think now a lot of those concerns have gone unaddressed. And I think a rising number of workers are starting to organize and they had had a successful uh, union organizing drive at a company that Microsoft wants to acquire through the old union, through CWA. So it literally is back to the future here. Yeah. And testers. I, that's where I started. I was a tester. You know, it is literally back. It's like, there you go. <laughs> at the same time, he pointed out that Microsoft's promise to listen to employees is only that, a promise to listen and not a pledge to take action. Microsoft says, hey, look, we do a lot of surveys. We're very tuned to the workforce. We understand that. And I think that's very true. I think they are tuned to their workforce. But that doesn't mean workers actually have the power to really negotiate what they think they should want in terms of their work scheduling, how it should be scheduled, how they should be reviewed. I mean, it's one thing to sit down and have a a nice conversation with your boss. It's another thing to actually get your boss to do what you want. (laughs) Those are two different things. (laughs) Welcome to have those conversations. It's a very different thing for that person to be able to get their boss to do what they want him to do. And that, <laughs> that only happens in, in, in labor negotiations where there's, there's a real give and take and there's, you know, it's, it's backed up by that. Courtney said he sees a direct connection between Microsoft's announcement, the pending Activision Blizzard deal, and President Joe Biden's stance on unions. I mean, obviously, they do have something under review and Biden's been very clear about that he wants to be the most pro-union administration in the history of America. And he had organizers from CWA in the Oval Office talking to the president about the issues happening inside the tech industry. I mean, obviously, that is a pretty incredible moment. Um, Unprecedented, actually. Ultimately, he believes engineers and others in the tech industry's more advanced positions will realize the benefits of unions as well, as illustrated by the news this week about Elon Musk's insistence that Tesla employees no longer work from home occupations especially like qa testing is ripe and you know and there's you know not everybody's highly compensated and highly paid in the industry there's lots of wages but i think over time that there's even developers will want and will want to find opportunities to have more power and more control over how they work based on just the idea of going through the pandemic and you know they have had a lot more opportunity to work from home and hybrid work and you know elon musk is saying everybody should be called back to work and all these things should be negotiated. And I think employees are, are learning that there's opportunities to negotiate over this. And the only way you can really negotiate is through some kind of organized power through representation. Marcus Courtney, a public affairs consultant who specializes in labor issues, is the former leader of the Washington Alliance of Technology Workers. See GeekWire.com for full coverage and a link to Microsoft's new labor principles. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. My colleague John Cook will be back this weekend with a look at how the uncertain economy is impacting startups. So be sure to check back for that. Thank you for listening to GeekWire.